Okay. Today's Garden of Amuna class is titled, Does God Love Me? A little diversion of what the actual little piece in the book is called. The piece in the book is called, God Favors Those Who Trust Him. <laughs> Had a little issue with that title. So, uh, like a good rebel. I just had to change it. I do it all the time. <laughs> so, what does it mean? What are we talking about? Does God love me? And actually, this question seemingly is a great question. We love this question. We hypothesize about this question. Does God love me? Right, you know, what's that little thing with the flower? Loves me, loves me not, loves me, loves me not. So, when we have a good morning, God loves me. When we don't have a good day, why is it always me? <laughs> right? We're always thrown back and forth. God loves me, God doesn't love me. God loves me, God doesn't love me. And it seems to be a very important question. It seems to be a very important question. Do I trust a God that wouldn't love me? You can only trust a God that loves me. I don't want to trust a God who doesn't love me. That would not be a very happy case. So this question of does God love me occupies a huge part of our mind, a huge part of our life. We go through this issue. And we love quelling in this question. It's a real license for a lot of stuff. It also, of course, does us a huge favor. You see, because we shift the question from, do I love God, to, does God love me? A Yom Kippur, I spoke a lot about this to the shul here. I talk a lot during davening. And I kept on mentioning this theme. We seem to come to shul with an attitude that we're cool. We're going to do tshuva. The question is, would God forgive me? And the point over here is, that's not really the issue. Believe it or not, the Yom Kippur process, it isn't God that's the problem. God's always forgiving. And the same thing, the question here on the table today. What an interesting question. Does God love me? And while that question seems to resonate so deeply with all of us in our journey with God, I think that there's a deeper question here on the table. And that question is, where did that question come from? We never stop to think about that. Where does that question come from? That's a very serious question. And I think that's the real question we have to deal with. Most often when I'm sitting and counseling people, answering isn't really what needs to be done. What we need to explore is where did that question come from? In Torah you have that all the time, especially in the teaching of Chassidus. Some questions get an answer, and some questions don't get an answer, because the answer is we need to examine the question. We handle a lot of the most fundamental issues in Chassidus like that. You know all these big questions? A lot of times I have it because I have a black beard. And, all right, a little white. I have a black beard. I always have this guy come over me with the huge questions. It had to be, really, anyone that's dabbled with some little book on Kabbalah thinks they can stump the world with this question. Can God kill himself? Can God create another God? Can God create a rock that he can't lift? Now, the trick over here is that if you try to answer the question, you're dead. Because there is no answer to the question. The answer to the question is to understand the question. And once you dissect the question, you realize that there is no question to answer. I'm going to do the same thing here tonight. You want me to answer you whether God loves you? That's not the question. Because if I do tell you God loves you, that still didn't answer the question. Because the question isn't whether God loves you. The question is what got into you to ask such a question. Why would you think of such a question? There's something wrong here. Does God love me? 
And then you go on this life's journey, right? You have this person who loves you, and the struggle becomes, when will you finally believe that I love you? Right? That's the type of relationship we get into with God. Boys and girls do that all the time. There's a frustration here. I've never loved anyone the way I love you in my entire life. But you don't believe that I love you. And no matter how many times I tell you I love you, no matter how many times I show you I love you, you still are wondering, does he really love me? And then at some point we need to get to the real issue. The issue isn't the answer to the question. The issue is the question. The question is the problem. Why are you asking that question? And that's what we really need to talk about when we ask that question, does God love you? So of course, my original impulse was to give this great lecture and bring you so much proof that God loves you. But then I'd be feeding into the problem. I wouldn't be curing the problem. So while there may have been a lure to this question, oh, maybe I'll finally find that rabbi who will once and for all, forever, prove to me that God loves me. Well, here's the problem. If you ask the question, there is no one that can ever prove to you that God loves you. Because the question is the problem. In Chassidus, they teach you that a healthy body never questions itself. When you don't have a headache, you never feel that you have a head. It's only when you have a headache that you start feeling that you have a head. And you start questioning the head, right? It's the same thing with all of us. We go to a doctor, we have an issue, and all of a sudden, the doctor, there was a chest pain right here. Where did that come from? Most of the times you'll find out it's not real. But once you've triggered off that doubt, that's it. You will come up with aches and aches that you've never even knew existed. Because the question is the problem, not the answer. So you take a stress test and you take it with the iodine. Without the iodine, are you allergic to it? Yeah, you did it all. And you left the doctor's office and he told you, you see, you're okay. Doctor, how often do you need to take a stress test? You don't have to come back for a year. And for a whole year, you're tortured. <laughs> I know there was something wrong with that machine. I'm telling you, I feel it with the doctor's document. I'm telling you, I feel it. I got a problem with my chest. So, most often, when we deal with the most fundamental questions in our relationship with God, the answer isn't going to cure anything. It's an examination of the question. And what happens when you ask the question of whether God loves me or not, you come up with a serious problem. Because no matter how you answer that question, you're usually going to be trapped in a conditional love. Known in ethics of our fathers, Ahava Shetluya Bidavar. This is a love that is dependent upon. If I trust Him, He loves me. If I do mitzvahs, He loves me. I don't trust Him, He's not so happy with me no more. I don't do mitzvahs, I'm on His doodle list. That means that the love between you and God is conditional. The reason for that is, the paradigm from which we come from is a very dark paradigm. And then even when we look at God's unconditional love, we see it through the lenses of a very dark paradigm. It is amazing. Amazing. Uh, how many of us suffer, I'm not here to start out with parents, 
but suffer from that generation X, which I need to also come first. I love you kids, but I need to think about myself, so I'm going to break this family, yada, 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 yada. And then all of a sudden, we get stuck there. Because the foundation of unconditional love is supposed to be the home. Many of us, in all ways, have not grown up in unconditional homes. You remember that Jewish parent who's okay with whatever you choose in life, as long as it's a doctor or a lawyer? Son, I've never told you what to become. You have a huge choice. All right, accountant. But that's really not what I want. It wasn't that they didn't love us. Some of them didn't know what it means to love unconditionally. And understand that this child needs to grow up to be what this child needs to be. We weren't nurtured that way. We were given all along certain guidelines. And many of us, because of that, we only have that paradigm in when we look to God. Our point of reference is foggy. And that's why we think that God is ten times greater than our parent. Okay? So ten times more conditional love than my mother could have ever given me. It becomes an issue. So what we really need to once and for all finally deal with is stop trying to answer the question. Because the question is a black hole. And a black hole as you know. You can't fill it with light. Because the definition of a black hole is that it's such a vacuum that whatever you try to fill it with, it sucks it in. Causes a lot of addiction issues. We're always trying to fill that black hole in the center of our heart. And we up the ante, we up the ante, we up the ante. And what I tell people all the time, and I've written about this numerous times, is that I believe that we have to get beyond the black hole. And sometimes getting beyond the black hole is not easy. Especially when you're dealing with people that unfortunately were touched in a wrong way by a father, by a brother, by a mother. It's very hard to get beyond those black holes. And I'm always telling them the same thing. And it's not a telling them, it's a journey. And i got to go there with myself in order to be able to help them get there. Is there's a piece of you that not even your father, your mother, no one could touch. You need to go back there. When you get back there, you're beyond the black hole. When you're beyond the black hole, then you don't have to deal with answers. You probably heard this famous saying, right? Atheists have no answers, believers have no questions. I'm not here to ponder upon that saying. But at some point, what that saying is saying for tonight, Shi'or, is that once you have a question, there can be no answer to it. Not when we talk about these type of questions. Does God love me? So what we need to understand here is that the question is coming from a dark place. And the reason why it comes from a dark place is because as a finite human being who's challenged with intellect capacity, emotional capacity, egocentric capacity, isn't it amazing that the center of love, contrary to Hollywood and contrary to Titanic and all the other beautiful shows out there, The center of love, according to the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus, is ego. Ego. There's only one reason in the world why I would love you. 
You know what that answer is? Because you do something for me. You complete me. You bring the best out of me. You make me feel good. The person I love most in this world, if I found out that there is a carbon copy of that individual in China, that person in China would mean nothing to me. But what do you mean? You're so crazy about this person. The way they think, the way they feel, the way they behave. But there's someone just like them. Yeah, but that person I don't know. That person does nothing for me. So as a human being, the center, the center of love is ego. And through those lenses, we're going to now question whether God loves me. And that's why as human beings, we're so quick to define God's love dependent upon what we do for Him. If we trust in Him, if we praise Him, if we do for Him, if we don't do what He doesn't want, when we have that paradigm, please understand that you're looking at God through human lenses. When you look at God through human lenses, you're humanizing God. And when you're humanizing God, He's no more God. I told you once before, I had a teacher who was so fond of telling me a Rosh Hashiva, a giant of a man. He's actually very short, but he's a giant of a man. Rosh Hashiva may live and be well. That's Israel Friedman. He really is. He's a short man, but I wouldn't mess with that man. He would always tell us, No, you understand the Gemara? We would, of course, yeah. She would sit us down. He always called the peers, Chavrusa. And he would take us on the cyclone. Really, you know, that famous song, you know, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, where <laughs> it fell down, broke to pieces. But this soldier of the king was actually able to put us back together. We lost track of completely what we were learning by the time he took us there. Really, the Rosh Hashivas who are good at this, they can drive you totally nuts. You forgot which rabbi you're talking about in the Gemara, which Masechti you're learning. He threw in like it's flying, you know. Oh, so how do you learn Pshat here? And then what's the sound? What's the, you're, you're lost. And then it set you back up. Okay, so let's learn the Gemara. And after he would set us back up, and we really thought that now we got it, he would ask us, No? You understand the Gemara? At that, point, at that point, you know the famous saying, right? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I wasn't going to say yes the second time. And he'd always look at us with the same smile and tell us, What don't you get? If you understand it, it's not what he said. And like in the beginning, What do you mean? He says, Don't you get it? Divine intellect... Human mind. Human mind doesn't understand divine intellect. Divine intellect defies everything that a human mind describes. And that was the way he left us. Let's go back here. If the love that you're looking for in God is a type of love that your human mind perceives, then it isn't divine love. Because human love, at its very core, must be I, ego. Do you know I found a teaching from one of the Rebbe's, I believe it's the fifth Bach Rebbe, the fourth Bach Rebbe, I think it's the fifth Bach Rebbe. He writes over there on this teaching, and that is why you find people who don't even love their wife and kids, which is antithetical to human nature. And he says, why? Because they don't love themselves. And if you don't love yourself, you can't love anyone. Because the definition of loving anyone at the center is about yourself. I love you because of what you do for me in so many ways. Many of them very beautiful ways. Not at all the type of egocentric that we would think about. 
That's an amazing concept. So now we have a whole new problem with this question. So if you're asking if God loves you, it's maybe because you don't think you're lovable, because you don't love yourself, so then you can never love God, and you can never believe that God or anyone would love you. <laughs> I had a friend who used to say this, really interesting. He would say, I'll never get married. And he used to ask him why. He's a little older than me, or a year older than me. He says, because anyone that wants to marry me, I wouldn't marry. <laughs> a little problem here. So we have an issue here. We're looking for, does God love me? Where does that question come from? So what we really need to do is get beyond the black hole of the human heart and his or her understanding of love. And here is where the kicker is. The kicker is to be able to understand that God loves you unconditionally. And understand that your trust in God does not create anything in your relationship with God. It only reveals what already existed. A God that loves me when I trust Him and doesn't love me when I don't trust Him, thank you, I have enough conditional friends, God. But a God who loves me unconditionally and the only changeable, interchangeable element in this equation is whether I feel the love or I don't feel the love, which will depend upon me. But God loves me unconditionally. He doesn't love me an ounce more when I trust Him. He doesn't love me an ounce less when I don't trust Him. On the contrary, He feels sorry for me when I don't trust Him. Because the love is right there and you don't see it. You don't feel it. That's what's going on here. So there's a story, a true story, happened in 1984. And Israel was then with Lebanon. And there was Chabadniks that were in the army. They pulled the Chabadniks into the army and the Chabadniks over there, one of the things they do is that before any mission, they will actually be called out to put on film with the soldiers. It, it simply helps the soldiers' frame of mind, which helps a lot to the mission. So they called on this Rabbi Tuvia Bolton. He's in Israel for Chabad. He's a part of the uh, yeshiva there. And they called on him one morning. They woke him up and said, they're on the jeeps, ready to go. You need to go now and put on film with them. So he walks over. And he walks over to the first soldier. And the guy's, you know, a um, real soldier. And he asked him, uh, Excuse me, would you like to put on film? And he answered him like this. If you don't get away from me, in a second, I'm going to rip you to pieces. Well, the guy's about to go into Lebanon, so, okay. Well, he goes to the next person. And he asks him, Chayal, would you like to put on film? And the guy says, and if I do, will I come back alive? Rabtuvia Bolton is a Lubavitcher. So he didn't cash in on an opportunist moment. He told him the right answer. He said, Chayal, you're coming back alive because you're Jewish and you're protecting the Jewish land and you're protecting the Jewish people. That's a given. Now that you know that, would you like to put on film? Put on film with the Chayal. The first Chayal called him back. <laughs> Rabbi Tovi Bolton is very thin, for those of you who know, at least when I knew him. And uh, the Chayal wasn't so thin. 
And he was nervous. Like, okay. He comes back to him. And he says, uh, he puts out his hand, he says, put on film. So, of course, you know, as they say in Hebrew, Masha Batuach, Batuach, we'll uh, ask questions later, he put on film. And then he asked the Chayal, if I may ask you, a minute ago you were going to rip me to pieces for asking you to put on film. And all of a sudden, he said, I overheard the conversation. I can't stand a religion where if you do this, God will do that. But I heard what you answered him. That type of religion I'm cool with. I wasn't making no deals with God. I'll put on tefillin and you'll bring me back alive. You know what? Forget that, God. I don't need that. But when you told him that what God's going to do is a given. Now that you know that, would you put on tefillin for such a God? Would you look to get into a relationship with such a God? So the issue here, does God love me? Once again, we need to face the question. The arrow needs to be pointing in the right way. So we're also quick to point the arrow at God. Are you capable of loving me? And all of a sudden we realize, oops, turn the arrow around. Am I capable of accepting that there is a God who can really love me unconditionally? Because I've never felt anything like it. I don't know what it means. I don't know what would drive a God to love me unconditionally. Why? I've hurt you before. I'll probably hurt you again. It's just the way I am. The story of the scorpion. You know I'm a scorpion. And that's the question. That's the underlying question of does God love me? There's a man, blessed memory. He come from Haifa. He's on he's on a tractor. A whole story. He became one of the only people I know that had permission from the Rebbe to knock on the door and enter without any previous notice. And he's actually used that. We have actually amazing stories from his diary. He's not alive no more. We have amazing stories of his diary where he asked the Rebbe a question, the Rebbe burst out crying. He had, he had, for whatever reason. So let me tell you how this started. This started as follows. He was on the tractor in Haifa. For those of you who know, Haifa is a certain element in Israel population. And what happened was that when he came to the Rebbe, he had a condition. I wear shorts. If the Rebbe can't deal with it, then he's not my Rebbe. The first Fabrengan that came to the Rebbe, he came with shorts. This is the way I heard the story. And he held his cup of L'chaim up to the Rebbe. He got a huge smile from the Rebbe. The Rebbe said, L'chaim. And the Rebbe went like this to him. That was it. From there it was... I understand... I understand why he did what he did. Because we have so many conditional relationships in our life, I really don't need to be stressed out or drained out by any other one. Dayeno. So if he's a Rebbe, then he's different than everyone else. If he's a Rebbe, then he is a reflection of God's love. And if he's a reflection of God's love, then I need to know that he will accept me with my shorts. But if I need to be dressed in a certain way, behave a certain way, talk a certain way, feel a certain way, think a certain way, 
then he's not my Rebbe. Now, all of a sudden, I'm asking you to revisit the entire five books of Moses. Because probably we were taught these five books of Moses as the most conditional God you've ever seen. And if you do this, and if you do that, and if you don't do this, and you don't do that. And if it happened to you something that was wrong, it's because you did this and you did that. And everything goes on and on and on. Somehow, at the end of life, we have a huge list of what God did wrong. And what He owes us, and why this relationship was doomed from day one. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting here telling you, no, 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 no. I am telling you that the Jew, who has never kept Shabbat, never kept kosher, is an atheist, doesn't even think there is an afterlife, is of the opinion that religion and God is the opium of the masses. And that Jew is loved by God. And the only thing that hurts God is if he only felt this love, he would feel so special. How do I get him to open up, to feel this love. That's what Bitachon does. That's what Emunah does. Emunah and Bitachon do not create a single thing. All they do is open up our antenna, an antenna to finally hear, feel, see, smell, live with what has always been there. This is a very, very challenging perspective. Because it really, really demands humility. It really demands to finally turn the arrow around to point at the only one it should be pointing. I want to tell you what else is very humble about this frame of thinking. You see, besides loving to blame God for being such a conditional God, it also does something else. It also allows me to feel, do you know why God loves me? If you would know who I am, you'd also love me. Who wouldn't love me? What I do for God? It gives such an egotistical smell to when we do feel God's love. And I can clearly tell you that there are people roaming the face of this earth so full of emunah and so full of believing God, feeling God's love that are so egocentric it smells a mile away. Because they know which God wouldn't love me. I wonder if God praises his lucky stars that he has me as a believer. So the humility here is not only being able to blame God for not loving me because he's so conditional, but it also is the humility of knowing that when God does love me, it's undeserved. The only thing that any one of my actions ever did was made me privy to how much God unconditionally loves me. That's humble. No one likes that. 
because we all like to believe that we earned our relationship with God. I pay for my relationship. You know what it is to be stuck in, in, in Kalkaska, Michigan, having to eat sardines for a week because I keep kosher? You know what it is to walk four hours for Shabbos because I got stuck in traffic? I have a right that God should love me. And tonight's, tonight's exploration takes it all away. Tonight's exploration allows me to believe, really believe, that God loves me in spite of myself. God loves me unconditionally. And the only thing that I work so hard for is to open myself up to feel what was, is, and always will be. Closing story. Closing story I tell you because hear this story. Because when you hear this story, the entire shiur becomes alive. There's an older couple driving on the A1A. Pull up to a red light. Right beside them pulls up this young couple. And this young couple, there's the boy sitting in the driver's seat, the girl's not sitting in the passenger seat. They love each other way too much. That's way too many inches in between them. She's sitting right there in the center with her head on his shoulder. And the older couple, she turns around to her husband and says, Hey, remember when we used to sit like that? And he said, Honey, I didn't move my shoulder. Want to ask that question again? Does God love me? God bless you guys.